Welcome to Jags Drive Time with John Osher and Brian Sexton. Sexton. Jags Drive Time starts right now. Good morning and welcome. Time for Jags Drive Time from TIAA Bank Field on a Wednesday morning heading to week 13. Brian Sexton, your new host on this program, along with John Osher, who you all know. Leo, how are you this morning? I'm great, Brian. Are you now? You're a Victory lot. Victory Wednesday. Yeah, you're a lot further away these days. That's why I'm great. Right? Yeah, I figured right. that, that might be it. <laughs> Has something um, to do with it. Something I wrote for a Quick Thoughts to uh, promote what's coming up. Is it later today or Thursday, the Quick Thoughts? Uh, Thursday. Uh, let's say Thursday. All right, let's say Thursday. But something to look forward to tomorrow. Um, quietly, Sunday is a interesting game. Big game in a sense, for the two teams at least. There are some big games around the NFL this weekend. Uh, Miami's at San Francisco. Kansas City is at uh, uh, Cincinnati. There are a couple of others. I think the uh, the Commanders and the Eagles play, and that's a, or the Giants play. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. And no one's going to pay attention to 4-7 and seven versus 4-7. and seven. Jacksonville versus Detroit. Two teams that for the last decade have not been very good. But what you've got is two rising teams. The, the Lions, after starting 1-6, and six, have won... Three of their last four, and the Jaguars coming off a big win have won two of their last three. I don't want to say big because that makes it sound like it's got playoff implications, although in a sense, both teams stay on the fringes of the playoff hunt with a win, so there are playoff considerations. I would call it uh, a graphic game, meaning whoever wins it probably gets on the graphic. Meaning uh, the graphic that lists the teams yeah. that are still in the hunt. Five. It, it gets you to five and seven. It gets, I mean, uh, for the Jaguars, certainly, uh, you, you do the math. It keeps them to where if the Titans slip, the Titans play sudden, at Philly. Yeah, then all of a sudden you're back to where, you know, you win twice. You start talking Joe Fortunato's language with magic numbers in baseball. You know, oh, yeah. All of a sudden your magic number starts to make sense. Look, we're a long way from that, but it does uh, keep both teams in the conversation. And it's certainly whoever wins it feels very good about hey we're five and seven right and you know one thing you think about with the jaguars is the two or three they left on the table boy yeah. but you can't do that well look we you talked can't about do that brian no I, yeah but we're, we're at that point of the year where for the first time in a couple of years we're talking about scenarios right if you win on sunday and the eagles beat the titans then you're two games out of the titans and you play them twice yeah, then you, so, control, yeah, you they, control your destiny. Ah, which say. we hoped yeah. this team would at least be in the conversation. Well, but that's a real thing if that happens. You do control your destiny. Now, that destiny would mean beating four oh, yeah. playoff teams down the stretch. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, the Titans twice, the Jets. Cowboys and the Jets. And the Cowboys. So it's it's a tough destiny, but, but you still control it. With the offense playing the way it's playing, it gives you some hope. All right, let's get into big things, folks, as we kick off this show. And we'll start with an excellent example. You know, the Ravens have a distinct personality and a distinct culture. And I think all of us know that that's winning. It's what they do. And Doug Peterson talked about winning against a team that likes to win, that knows how to win, and what it means for his program. It's one of the things we talked to our team a little bit about this past week, too, is, you know, the culture that Coach Harbaugh has established there, you know, for so many years and how they've built that team. And, and there's a true identity, you know, with that team, and and uh, they know exactly who they are, and um, you know we're we're trying to get all that established here, right? And 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 learn, and you know this that's a well well coached team, disciplined group, you know that's the type of game that you know 
chances are they, they pull that game out, you know, and win that game. So um, just a credit to our guys, you know, hanging in there, 60-minute football game, battling to the end. Um, but I, I, I'll say this, that it's, a, you know, looking at Baltimore and, and again, what Coach Harbaugh has established there is, is kind of a model, I think, to, to what, you know, from a culture standpoint, what we're trying to get done here. All right, a question about the running game this week that will hover over this franchise is, will Travis Etienne be able to go? Now, he's telling people he'll be able to play, and the coach seems to think that it is not a serious issue and that he should be available this week. But with a foot, who knows? We probably won't until sometime before kickoff on Sunday, which brings us back to who's carrying the ball. James, uh, or pardon me, Jamichael Hasty showed last week that he can be a part of the solution and then the Jaguars claimed Daryl Henderson off of waivers from the Rams last week. Might he be a guy who we see on Sunday in Detroit? We got to get him caught up. You know, we spend these next couple of days, you know, meeting with him and, and getting him going. So um, I think it's possible that, uh, you know, uh, obviously work him in in practice, but, you know, could be a player that we might need, you know, for the game. And finally, for big things, it's the playoffs. And we just touched on that, but. We've seen it here in Jacksonville before. In 2017, we saw it all the way back in 96, where every game has a playoff feel to it. And that's certainly the case on Sunday in Detroit. If the Jaguars win, they are in the middle of it. And if they fall out, it becomes very distant for them to start hoping about playing well into January. The head coach knows what's in front of his team, and he isn't walking away from it, though he's not entirely focused on it. Everybody in our division is chasing Tennessee. You know, it's a good football team. Coach Vrabel has them playing well. Cincinnati had a good game plan yesterday, beat them. But we know what's ahead of us. We've got some really good teams, you know, uh, on our schedule ahead of us that are all playoff caliber teams that, you know, in order for us to be there at the end, we've, you know, we've just got to continue to prepare, you know, the way we've done that. And this is the next one, you know, Detroit this week. And, um, We'll worry about Tennessee, you know, next week and, and move on from there. But it's it's all part of that part of that plan. All right, so let's go back up to the top and go with big thing one here in the Baltimore Ravens. Just to put it into perspective before we move on. Because I'm not sure, John, if the average fan totally grasps the Ravens, because they haven't been like the Patriots uh, or the Chiefs necessarily, but they have a sustained period of excellence under John Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. And it's meaningful to get a win over a team like that that knows how important games in November are. Well, I actually asked that question because I, I was thinking about I mean, I, I, the one that Doug answered. Because I was thinking about it in that perspective on Sunday night. You're talking about a franchise. I think, that, I think I've got the stat right. They've made nine postseason appearances with the Super Bowl. Uh, they've only had uh, two losing seasons under this guy. And it's it's – it's 15 years. Yeah, uh, I think people forget that that his tenure is that long. He's behind Tomlin, and I believe he's behind uh, Belichick. I think the only two they that outlast him. And then Reed's been in the league forever, but he was with the Philly. I mean, uh, with Philadelphia, and then not uh, the Chiefs. So this is an established franchise that wins these games late. Um, I think if that game for the Jags had happened against most teams it would have been euphoria same reaction but I think to Doug Peterson who really understands the league I think that did matter to beat the Ravens in in uh, late November when the Ravens are playing something and the Ravens are hot 
I mean, this was a team that had won four straight games. Um, it's uh, some games you pull back from later and you say, well, that team wasn't doing this or they weren't doing that. The Ravens wanted that. They needed it. When they lost it, 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 it moved them into a tie for first place. I don't call it a playoff game for the Ravens, yeah. but they approach late season games. Uh, it, this was not a team out for the playoffs, uh, that, you know, or out of the playoffs. The the cars weren't uh, running in the parking lot. They wanted this, and the Jaguars took it from them. Um, I think you can go back a long time since the Jaguars won a December game like that. I'm not even sure they won one in in 17. Now they won playoff games. Yeah, but it's I, I been kinda, a long time since they took one from a team like that late in the season. Well, the, the last one that comes to mind is that Seattle team in 2017 when they yeah, won they were it out here. Of they were they won it here at home. Yeah, but they uh, that Seattle team was in a dip year. I, I agree. That was not a great Seattle team. This is a uh, pretty good Ravens team. Okay, we'll go to your it. point. It's been uh, 17. Even I that's was, five years. I thought it was close because it was a team with a culture, right? What Pete Carroll had built there. Russell yeah. Wilson was still the quarterback. They were still running the ball well. Yeah. Um, but that's it's been five years since they've got one the of those culture wins. parts. Certainly, certainly fixed. Well, here's the point I want to make. The, you mentioned two losing seasons, right? One was his first season when they went five and eleven. That's totally understandable. The second losing season was last year. They were eight and nine, right? Mm-hmm. We talked about a lot of double-digit loss seasons for this franchise. That one doesn't have them. Part of that's talent. The other part is the culture. And Doug talked a lot about trying to recreate that here. Quickly, before we go to break, big thing, too, was about the running game. Your sense of Travis Etienne's availability on Sunday, and obviously it's something we probably won't know until Sunday morning. And if a guy like Henderson, who's been on a good team like the Rams, can step in and provide anything two weeks in. I, you know, my sense is he'll play. Uh, Doug said he was not in a boot Monday. I don't believe he was in a boot leaving the stadium on Sunday. Uh, Doug, usually when he talks about this, is pretty transparent. And when Doug talked about this on Monday, his emphasis was they really didn't want to put him back in because they wanted to make sure the kid knew that he was okay. You know, and they wanted to make sure he was comfortable with it because he went through a major injury last year. I think if he hadn't been through that last year, my sense is, is he probably would have played. But that was a career-threatening big deal. So I, I think they wanted to handle him correctly. I also think they were in a situation where they knew they had to throw coming back anyway. I don't, you know, you know, so uh, I don't want to say ETN wasn't needed, but it wasn't like they couldn't run their game plan without him in that situation. So my sense is he'll play. Won't it be interesting now that Trevor Lawrence has this confidence that we can all see sort of oozing out of him when when they get that element back without offensively? A doubt. They're starting to put things together. So here are the numbers: when Travis ETN has a hundred yards, which he did against the uh, the Giants, the Broncos, and the Raiders. The Jaguars averaged 167 per game. When he hasn't been on the field, hasn't had a 100-yard game, it's only 116. So his production is 50% more when he has a big day. So clearly they need him. And, John, they're coming off back-to-back games where they've only had 38 rushing yards last week against the Ravens right. and only 75 two weeks ago against the Kansas City It's interesting to see how that balances out because you can, you, you can clearly see teams looked at it. They said this team is running the ball. They designed things to stop it. Trevor Lawrence has taken advantage of that. So now how that starts balancing out going forward, now the running game should be able to benefit from what Trevor's doing. All right, we'll find out. It's a story we will watch all week long and, of course, update you on tomorrow on Drive Time. When we return, 
Tim Twentyman from DetroitLions.com joins us to give us a sense of a surging Lions squad that Jags will face at Ford Field on Sunday. All that and more straight ahead, folks. Go nowhere. Well, country superstar Kenny Chesney returns to Jacksonville April 14th. Tickets go on sale to the public Friday, December 2nd. Don't miss Kenny Chesney's I Go Back Tour with special guest Kelsey Ballerini at Daly's Place. For tickets and more info, visit dailiesplace.com today. And welcome back to Jags Drive Time, brought to you by Publix, where shopping is a pleasure. Brian Sexton and John Osier. Pleased to be joined now by Tim Twentyman, who's the lead writer and insider for DetroitLions.com. Hello, Tim. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Good. Thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, we're talking about a game on Sunday that, again, when you look at the schedule this weekend, there are some, quote, big games. Kansas City, Cincinnati, Miami, San Francisco, even the Giants and the Commanders. But this one to us has that sort of big game feel because you've got two very similar surging teams. Do you have the same sense? Yeah. You know, I, I look at these teams and it's funny you say that because I, I think the exact same thing. I mean, it's, you know, two young coaching staffs, right, or new coaching staffs, I should say, Peterson's been around, but, you know, trying to build a culture, right? I mean, you look at Jacksonville and, and some of the losses they've had, six um, you know, losses by one score. You look at the Lions, five losses by one score. Um, similar records. You look at the rankings, and I think they're one ranking apart in total offense, in rushing offense, in passing offense. So, I mean, there's just so many similarities. You know, lots of young talent that's, you know, starting to bud and make plays, um, you know, for, for both teams. And so it really is uh, um, two teams that are, that are very similar that are going to meet up at Ford Field on Sunday. Tim, what's the uh, – we talked earlier this week, but I guess I still don't have a feel for it. The Lions are really good offensively, but I don't know much about them. What's their identity? Why are they good offensively? Because I think they're one of the more underrated offensive teams in the league. Yeah, it really, yeah, really it starts up front for them. I mean, you look at Taylor Decker's annually one of the top ten left tackles in football. Penny Sewell, who was a first-round draft pick last year, is arguably already the best right tackle in football. Jonah Jackson, their left guard, he was a pro bowler last year. Frank Ragnow, their center, he was a pro bowler two years ago. And so, I mean, there's four pro bowl caliber players up front. And so you look at this Detroit Lions team, and, and it starts up front for those guys, and they love to run the football. Um, we're seeing numbers here in Detroit that we haven't seen since Barry Sanders was toting the rock in 1998. I mean, Jamal Williams had 13 touchdowns his entire career. He's got 13 this year for Detroit. And, and DeAndre Swift is kind of the lightning to his thunder. So it really starts up front for Detroit in that run game. Um, and, and then, you know, if you protect Jared, um, look, he's a former number one pick. He's had success in this league. He's won a lot of football games. And look, if you can run the football, protect him, now play action, um, you know, it comes into play. They've got weapons like Amon Mossine Brown, who's quickly becoming one of the best wide receivers in the game. You guys know DJ Chark very well. Um, you know, he's coming back from, from that foot injury. And it really, it's the first time since, 
you know, week three, um, last week was the first time they had their top three receivers, and we haven't even seen, seen Jamison Williams yet. He's coming down the pipeline here in the next couple of weeks. So, look, it all starts up front for Detroit, but, look, they can run the football, they can control the clock, and they've got weapons on the outside when they establish that run to, to hit teams deep in the pass game. They're, they're really balanced. And there was a tone nationally, and, you know, I think people don't think about it sometimes when they assume things, but when Jerry Goff got traded from the Rams to the Lions, I think people just sort of assumed, well, that's – Sort of it. I mean, it it was uh, sort of forgot about him a little bit. But you tell me he's playing pretty well, and I don't know. If this is a guy that uh, fans around the league, or you know, certainly fans in Jacksonville, need to forget about, right? No, I mean, you you have to remember. I mean, he you know he's won a lot of big games in this league. I mean, he was a former number one pick. He was a Pro Bowler for the Rams for two straight years. Um, he can throw the football around. Now, is he one of those guys that if something breaks down, like a Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, can kind of make a play on his own and, and you know, create something out of nothing? That's not really Jared's game. Um, and so, you know, the things have to work around Jared. You know, you've got to protect Jared. You've got to be on time with Jared. If you're in the right spot, you know, Jared knows, you know, offense, the football, and, and he'll find you. It's just, you know, the hot thing in the league right now is some of those guys that can, you know, run around the dual threats, those kind of things. And so, you know, the true pocket passer, um, you know, who Jared Goff is, is, you know, not seen in kind of the light of, of some of the premier players at that position in this league anymore. His numbers are, are almost the same as – uh, Trevor Lawrence's in terms of completion percentage, he's got 17 touchdowns and seven interceptions. Trevor's got 16 and six. Uh, the, the passer rating is right there. Uh, for Jaguars fans who know or maybe don't know that Mark Brunel is the quarterbacks coach there in Detroit, how much do you hear from from the quarterback or from the quarterbacks coach about their relationship and what sort of impact you know the best quarterback in Jaguars history to date right uh, has yeah. had on him. Yeah, Mark's really been a calming influence for, for Jared. And, you know, I think Ben Johnson, the offensive quarter here, and Mark did a great job with Jared in terms of, you know, Ben comes in and, and obviously he's got some concepts that, that you know, he wants to um, instill in, in a new offense. But he sat down with Jared and they went through this thing and they looked at what Jared liked to do when he was with the Rams, um, you know, things he likes, things he maybe doesn't like. And they built this offense really around Jared's strengths. And, and Mark was a big part of that, too. And, um, you know, there's something to be said when you have a coach who was a player, right? And there's a lot of those on this Detroit Lions staff. It starts with head coach Dan Campbell, but the majority of this staff, I'd say 80% probably, you know, played in the NFL. And so, you know, they're not going to ask a player to do something, one, they haven't already done themselves or been asked to do. And there's a respect factor there. You know, this guy was in it. He understands. He knows what I'm going through. And so it's a good relationship with, with Mark and Jared here in Detroit, certainly. Any thought that you could share with us on, on why the defense has struggled? Um, you know, I watched the game against the Bills, like most of America did, and thought that they had great pressure up front, that they looked stout. Uh, has it just been the injuries in the secondary? Why has that side of the ball struggled? Injuries in the secondary is part of it, and, and they're really young, too. I mean, you look at some of their, you know, Playmakers on defense recently, Aiden Hutchinson, rookie, first-round pick. Um, Kirby Joseph, third-round pick. Malcolm Rodriguez, fourth-round pick, linebacker. Um, you know, guys like that who I, I think just kind of had to learn the game a little bit. And I, and I think the biggest thing they struggled with defensively early in the season was just forcing takeaways. Um, those big momentum plays on defense. Um, they weren't generating them. And, and when you look at their recent three-game win streak, I mean, they were number one in the NFL, creating seven takeaways in three games. 
Um, Aiden Hutchinson had three. Kirby Joseph had three. And so, you know, I think you're starting to see this Lions defense play much better because simply these young guys are now, you know, 10, 11 games into their career. They're starting to figure it out a little bit. The game's slowing down for them. And, and really their biggest playmakers on defense have been their young guys. And I think it just took a little bit of time um, for them to kind of settle in, get comfortable. But now you're seeing what a terrific rookie class this is, especially defensively for the Lions the last month or so. So you know the guys on the broadcast Sunday are going to focus on Aiden Hutchinson and Trayvon Walker. Uh, for the Jaguars, Walker has made an impact. He doesn't have the the bang, flash numbers that folks associate with the number one overall pick yet. He's obviously got some learning to do in terms of pass rush. The numbers seem to be there for Hutchinson, five and a half sacks, a couple of interceptions, uh, just an overall a thumbnail on his season so far, Tim. Yeah, he's been good. Um, look, you know, you guys know just as much as I do, it's tough for rookie pass rushers. Right? It was so much easier in college. You faced an NFL caliber tackle in college, what, two, three weeks if you're at, in the SEC, maybe four or five, but you had your cupcake weeks, right? You had your weeks where you knew, okay, Here's my three-sack game, and that's just not the case in the NFL. I mean, you're you're, you're getting a guy every week. Um, that's one of the best in the business. And so I think it just took Aiden a little bit of time to kind of figure that out. Um, you can't bull rush everybody in this league like he did at Michigan. And so, you know, as his kind of uh, toolbox of pass rush moves has advanced a little bit, we've seen him have a lot of impact. Um, look, he's a guy that never quits on a play. Um, he's a, a much better athlete than the Lions even thought he was in pre-draft process. Um, they were really surprised by that, his ability to play inside and outside. Um, and he's just relentless. I mean, he's only the second player in NFL history to have at least five sacks and two interceptions in his first ten games. And so you just love to see the production, right? I mean, um, the sacks affecting the quarterback. You know, he's been really, really good um, – and I think it's a great sign for the future that when it's all said and done, here's a guy who will probably be right around 10 sacks and um, some interceptions and real impact plays as a rookie, and he's only going to get better. Yeah, another similarity there because we've seen the same thing with Walker, a guy who never quits on the play and impacts the game, but has struggled because his best pass rush move is the bull rush. All right, Tim, we're looking forward to a big game on Sunday. Big for both these franchises, trying to stay in the playoff hunt in their respective conferences. Greatly appreciate you taking the time on a Wednesday morning to join us. Have a great day. Hey, no problem. Anytime, guys. Safe uh, travels here to Detroit. All right. Looking forward to it. That's Tim Twentyman from Lions.com. And Jaguars Game Day Radio is brought to you by Vistar. Do good. Bank better. We're back with more, including this or that, as Jaguars Drive Time with John Osher and Brian Sexton continues from TIAA Bank Field in Jacksonville. Well, Price.com is the easiest way to save money. With comparison shopping, cashback, coupons, all in one, it's free. Try Price.com today. This or that. All right, it is Wednesday, which means this or that takes center stage here as we come towards the tail end of Jaguars drive time. Um, Let's go with you first. Well, I'll take left stage on the left side of the... uh, at the desk here. Left um, side of the building. You know, I went uh, Trevor Lawrence or Jared Goff. And the point of this is not necessarily to compare the two quarterbacks because that's not something people are going to do. But I started thinking in the last couple of days with Trevor, at some point when you draft a kid number one overall and you're going through the matches before the game, if the franchise is going to get to where it wants to go, 
that has to be an edge for your franchise. If you're playing 17 games, you know, that needs to be an edge 14 or 15 times. Yeah. You know, Mahomes, when the Chiefs play, people usually say, well, they have the best quarterback in the field, so they're probably going to win. Um, so Jared Goff, to me, is a good NFL quarterback. I don't think he's an all-pro quarterback. So the question is, a month ago, I think you come into this game, and if you're really being honest, you're not sure who the better quarterback is. And maybe you're going with Goff. I think Trevor's a lot closer to being the guy that, hey, I'm glad we got that guy. Right. Uh, as opposed to, I, I think it's still close because Goff's an experienced veteran. and Who's been uh, to Trevor, Pro Bowls and played the Super Bowl. We haven't seen that consistently. The point is, it feels like Trevor's really close, if he's not there yet, to being the matchup edge in a game like this. Well, it's hard not to think that way based on the throws yeah. he made on that last drive well, against the Well, and then Ravens. even the last three weeks, there's some consistency there. And, I, you know, I think the perception of him and the feeling is much more that he's starting to get into that category where you feel like he's an edge. Well, he's at the top of all the charts in the month of November, right? Yeah. Um, 76% completion. Six touchdowns, no interception. Passer rating of 116. Right. I mean, he's one or two in all of those. Right. And that's the most important month of the season. So it's good to see that come around. I'll say this about golf. Um, and you heard Tim. He, he told you the way that they've approached him. You realize they're second to Kansas City with the most games of 25 or more points scored this year. They have seven. Yeah. They are tied with five teams for the most games with at least 30 points scored. Right. They're putting up the yardage. And that's why I didn't want to say that he uh, – I don't know that Trevor has a clear matchup advantage in this game. Right. Because golf's good. I, I think he's very underrated. Um, just more the point that it feels like Trevor is becoming a team's strength. 100%. And that had to happen. I think and a year from boy, now. Boy, doesn't it feel like that. It does. I think a year from now, you, you point and say, yeah, he's a rising. Although people forget, golf was a number one pick overall as well. Yeah. So, and the numbers are strikingly, go look at them. They are strikingly similar mm -hmm. all the way across the board. I'll say this, they're also playing complimentary football up there. I mean, Jamal Williams has 13 touchdowns. Seven of them are one-yard runs. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're getting into the red zone. They're converting. They're playing good football. And they've had more success in the red zone than the Jaguars. And I think Jared Goff's probably a big reason why. Yeah, uh, veteran that quarterbacks, that's the tipping point for a lot of veteran quarterbacks right. it, it, it's hard down there and your percentage usually goes up as you start to get it more in the red zone all right i'll go with a comparison as well dj chark or christian kirk and i think there was a time earlier this spring where people wanted to keep chark they were holding on to that big season he had in 2019 they saw the size and the speed john and thought you, you in this league you need that alpha guy and what the Jaguars went and spent their money on instead was a slot receiver, although he's proven to be much more than that. And Christian Kirk is having his best season. Seven touchdowns, 58 catches, over 700 yards receiving. And he's clearly been that go-to guy for Trevor Lawrence. So happy with the move for Christian Kirk? Or is DJ Chark something that you still wish you had? Yeah, I, I do wish the Jaguars still had DJ Chark because I like DJ Chark. Um, so putting that aside, I, I don't think you can look at what Christian Kirk has done and think, boy, I wish he wasn't here. Right. He, I mean, if it was Julio Jones in his prime, then it, you know, there's different factors there. But in terms of this, 
and clearly they made the right move, mainly because I feel like they believed that they needed something that Trevor could really rely on. And I don't mean I, I don't necessarily mean the injury factor with DJ, but more the style of play. Kirk, because he's a guy who gets open across the middle, very consistent in his route running, gets open underneath, uh, is more of a tight end feel. He's not a tight end, but you know what I'm getting at. Yeah. Something that when Trevor's in trouble, he knows he can look to. Uh, the deep down the field guy that DJ uh, really excels, 17 to 22 yards downfield, uh, maybe not something that when the pressure's on, that Trevor can look at and go, okay, uh, where is this guy? I also think Christian, in retrospect, was a signing. Remember, they were trying to build for now to get better around Trevor to help build that, but they also needed to build for two or three years. Right. DJ helped them now, but boy, when they get Ridley in here next year with a, quote, true one, how well is Christian going to fit into that? And, and he's also a guy that you can foresee so often when you sign free agents, you sign them for five-year, $89 million deal, but you really only know they're two-year guys. Right. DJ feels like a long – I mean, n- not DJ. Christian feels like a long-term fit that you can grow with, so I think that helps too. Well, and the, the numbers tell you, right? The Lions gave DJ a one-year deal worth $10 million, and the Jaguars gave Christian Kirk a $5 million deal – sorry, a $20 million yeah, – let me get right. He wasn't going to sign and, for $5 million. A five-year right. deal that averages $20 million over the life of it if he sees all of it. So long-term, big money. DJ's playing on a one-year deal. Yeah, the Jaguars made the right move there. All right. Uh, hey, we've got this week's Florida Lottery student athlete to share with you. And our Florida Lottery high school athlete this week is Raleigh Eason. Raleigh has proven academic excellence, dedication to the community, and demonstrated leadership on and off the field. The Bright Future Scholarship Program, which is primarily funded by the Florida Lottery, assists students in pursuing post-secondary educational and career goals. And Raleigh is a junior at Fleming Island High who plays flag football and volleyball and posted an impressive 3.99 GPA. She hopes to study physical fitness at UCF in her future. And congratulations again, Raleigh Eason, for being named this week's Florida Lottery Bright Futures Scholarship Athlete of the Week. We'll come back with some closing thoughts here on Jags Drive Time on a busy Wednesday in Jacksonville. Well, for nine years, DreamFinders Homes has been proud to call themselves the official home builder of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Visit DreamFindersHomes.com for all of the available inventory DreamFinders says happy holidays and go Jaguars. Brian Sexton, John Osier back to wrap up this edition of Jags Drive Time. Touched on the big headline of the week. We'll all be following the story of uh, Travis Etienne. We'll probably follow up on the quarterback who's playing at a very high level. What else stands out to you? What might be you be writing this week? What might we be talking about tomorrow? Well, I'll be talking to uh, Andrew Wingard of the Ozone Podcast. Uh, Dewey's so, getting a lot uh, of love these good. days. And uh, credit to him. I'm, I'm looking forward to that because – this is a guy who, as you get to know more about him, uh, pretty candid, yeah, uh, pretty likable kid. So I'm looking forward to that. And you know, I think what we talked about at the top is, is really the theme this week. You're talking about a couple of teams. Uh, if the Jaguars win this, then all of a sudden people start seeing this season and what they've done in, 
in sort of a new light. But that, I think you've got to back it up at some point. That would be three out of four victories. I mean, uh, three victories in four games, some consistency. So in that sense, I think it's a big game for the Jacks. I'm connecting with Jim Bob Cooter, who is the passing game coordinator. I uh, have not talked to him. So I'm anxious especially to talk about Zay Jones and Christian Kirk. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone thinks passing game coordinator. You're talking about the quarterback. Without a doubt, we will talk about Trevor Lawrence because there's so much there. But getting Evan Ingram involved, I think he's that guy. that, And maybe even Dan Arnold, who, when he was here last year, proved to be somewhat of a guy that you could rely on before he got hurt. So there are guys who can step up their game and help take this to another level. We'll find out from Jim Bob today what he thinks. And, of course, that will air on Sunday in the Public's Tailgate Show. All right. Well, thanks for your patience with me. See you week, tomorrow. Game two here. Yeah, tomorrow. That's right. Three of these a week. Here we go. Jags Drive Time is produced expertly here for you on the Jaguars Digital Radio Network. And we appreciate all of your time joining us. Have a great day.